Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. I would love to, you know, have you share who you are and, you know, we can dive into your story because mm-hmm. what I love, you know, you and I connected and it was like, you can just tell when people like <laughs> we are on the same page, you know, growth, healing. And I say a lot how our stories are different, but pain, love, all of that is universal. And so I think it's important to share our stories and, and whatever we're comfortable with and because I'm big on boundaries. Um, but you know, whatever <laughs> someone's do. comfortable with, it's so important to share that because it's, there's so many universal things that we can get out of it. So I appreciate you being willing to chat and kind of dive more into, to you and all of your, your growth and healing, because I know as a writer, a blogger and whatnot, that you have a lot to share. So Well, great. So I'll just jump in. You know, I I would tell people that I think sometimes I would have this Reader's Digest condensed version that you kind of tell people about when they ask, well, where are you from and where'd you grow up? And so, you know, I could say, oh, I'm from New Jersey and my mom's an attorney and, you know, I was in the army and all those things are true. Um, But then when you dig into the more expanded version, I, I had a lot of just rejection in my childhood. And when I talk about not being able, you know, not outrunning it, I just try to compartmentalize my life. Like, you know, a lot of the things that happened to me growing up, my mom was a teenage mother that really had a lot of big dreams, very um, intelligent, you know, scholarship to college, got pregnant in her senior year, and really just was like, this whole baby thing is going to slow me down. Like I have goals, I have dreams. Um, And I'm saying this now through a lot of healing and therapy, there was a lot of years of just like, why? And we argued and fought and she really didn't have answers. And I just had to just make peace that she didn't have the capacity to give me what I felt like I needed in a mom. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, you know, back in in those days, um, you know, she had me and I was sent to live with a friend of my grandmother's um, just because of different, you know, financial situation. I wasn't able to stay in the family home. My mom actually went off to college to Rutgers University to pursue her dreams. And I was sent to live with another whole family that I didn't know. And they were great, but it was just that sense of knowing I I don't really belong here. I I was there. I was pretty well cared for from newborn till about age uh, six. Um, and, And then I don't know all of the stories, but some way I was, you know, my mom at that time was married, had had my sister and was in law school. And it was like, okay, we're coming to get her. And so I was pretty stable in in that environment. And I was then taken to my mom, you know, my stepfather and my younger sister. And through that time, I would kind of see them on weekends here or there. Um, Again, because my mom was very young, she never wanted me to call her mom. I kind of always viewed her as a big sister. It's just layers of things, right? So many layers. Yeah. 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 Um, And along with that, my dad just was not in the picture at all. It was, it was just, um, 
you know, his family, you know, it was questions around paternity and, mm. you know, whatever, all, all those sorted hallmark story <laughs> kind of things that yeah. I probably can make a lot of money writing a, writing a movie script, mm. but it's real. And so I, I didn't yeah. know him at all. Yeah. Um, so I lived a lot between those years of just being very into myself, like always, because I didn't quite feel like I belonged in, in that environment. Like I, my stepfather was, was okay, but I always knew he wasn't my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he and my mom had a very tumultuous marriage. There was domestic violence. They fought and we just were in a series of being sent to different family for the summer or, you know, we, we would move and then they would get back together and they finally divorced when I was around 11. Mm-hmm. And just as the oldest, I, I just was responsible. Like I had these two younger sisters by that point. Um, my mom, like I said, was an attorney. She worked long hours. And I mean, just from 11 or 12, I was the, you know, we were, you know, it was 70s and 80s. We were latchkey kids. Yeah, I was cooking dinner. So I kind of grew up in survival mode. It was just mm-hmm. survival. Um Things really turned for the worse. My mom was got married again when we were older. Her second husband was very, very, he was just not a kind man at all. And, you know, at that point, my sisters would kind of be going with their dad on visitation. I spent a lot of time alone with this guy. And um, he just was, he was just a mean man. Um, I, I would say looking back now with knowledge and therapy, I feel like he was grooming me probably for some sexual, um, you know, thing. Yeah. Um, lot of just no boundaries. Um, he just, you know, burst into your room, you know, yeah. and just targeted on me. And my mom was kind of just oblivious. I mean, yeah. again, she... I just think she was just in just in her own world, like focused on herself, even yeah. as as a mom. And when we've gone through my sisters and I, we, we laugh now, but we feel like she's a person that I, I don't know why she ever had children. Like, I, I just don't know. She just yeah. um, I, I don't know. We we yeah. we've made peace with it. But, yeah, she was just kind of in her own world. And so I remember a point when I got very uncomfortable with him. Um, he we were home alone and I had gotten out of the shower. He came in my room and I was like, Hey, you need, you need to leave. You can't, I was around 13, 14. You need to leave. Mm -hmm. And so I got the courage up to tell my mom. um, And I just thought like, this is it. This guy will be out of here. And um, they had a whole argument, whatever. And he comes and says, well, you know, I didn't mean anything by it. I view you as a daughter. I didn't mean anything by it. And so at that point, I realized, okay, I, I just have to survive. And so I found friends to go with and I went to, you know, I stayed with my different aunts or whoever. Whenever my sisters weren't home, I would leave as well and go to other places. So again, that kind of gives you just the backdrop of yeah. my life. Um, and so I was just trying to make it to 18 to just get away. Like, yeah. I just, I, I just thank God for teachers and people that poured into me that helped me imagine a life that was different that I could 
achieve something that was different than what I had grown up in. And so I just ran away at 18. I went into the military and it was, it was a great fit for me. And again, through healing and hindsight, I, I was looking for just that order and Mm -hmm. rules. I became a very rule oriented. Like if, if you just follow the rules, do the the right thing, results will come because my upbringing was so chaotic and so crazy. Um, But part of that, it also caused me to be very minimized. Like I just, because things were so volatile at home, you just didn't want to make a fuss. You know, I I would be that one calming my sisters down and you Mm -hmm. just don't want to upset anything because the adults have their own crazy going on. And so you end up managing their emotions. Like you, you learned how to, it sounds like I should say you learned how to what do I need to do to keep the peace and to protect yourself too? That's what I heard too, is that you, you had to figure out a way to protect yourself, which is, you know, heartbreaking for yeah. all of the, you know, you, you, you and I have talked before, you know, about kind of the child within us and yeah, it's kind of hard to revisit that, but it's so important. So, and I thank you too, for sharing so much of your story. And I just, I think that there's so, when you, your life is normal. You know what I mean? Meaning like Mm -hmm. everyone's own life. You don't know anything different. Right. And so therefore it's normal to you. And I think, and why I'm just so passionate about and appreciative of people sharing their stories. And I just kind of even like, Oh, just like little goosebumps. Even you just talking about with your stepfather, like coming into your room at 13 and things like that, like that was inappropriate, you know? And thank God you knew that like, Whoa, this is not good. But there's so many people who I feel like have moments from their life, you know, and, and it's like, it became cliche almost that like, oh, you have to, oh, your childhood affects you, you know, almost that people make fun of that. And now it's like, you guys, it's actually legit stuff yeah. and we compartmentalize so much. And so it's like the whole, oh, I'm fine. I turned out fine. You know, I may have had these little incidences here and there, but it's normal. It's fine. And until you kind of unpack it, it's like, no, nope, that shouldn't have happened. And I think yeah. just you know, one, we want to share that, be more mindful with our kids, you know, to, to protect them, but also for the child in all of us, like people listening, you know, is that there might be stuff from your childhood that you've kind of accepted as normal or thought that it wasn't a big deal, or as you said, compartmentalized. And then you realize like, wait a second, maybe, maybe my strict lifestyle, maybe this, you know, the way I'm, I'm thinking that life is about following the rules and then I won't get hurt you know, maybe, maybe it is all connected and it is worth, like you've said a few times through therapy and healing through therapy and healing, like, how did you go from kind of, like you said, you, you were in the military, you needed that rigid lifestyle, but what kind of started happening that helped you break through that compartmentalization? I'll say two things. Um, Number one is my faith, you know, really Mm -hmm. coming into understanding God, understanding um, a higher power and, you know, just pouring it all out to him, trying to really pray through it, understand, make peace. I mean, then secondly, you know, (laughs) not that it's such a tragic tale, but really having, um, you know, a very, very devastating moment in my prior marriage. Um, 
I, I was married, just recently divorced right at a year ago. And, um, just you a know, year ago, um, you got divorced. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. It's a year yeah. ago. And I will say it was probably the first half we were married 19 years. So the first half was probably fairy tale, you know, good little Christian couple raising their two little children living the dream. Um, but the second half of our marriage, it really started to become apparent. Um, my husband had some different mental health challenges, but also there was infidelity in our marriage. And um, that was, that broke me, um, mm -hmm. I will say, because I, I was not a person looking to get married. I, I always wanted to be a mom. I thought I would, you know, adopt a couple of kids and just be a single mom. Yeah. And um, really part of my coping mechanisms from childhood was really to be very walled off. And I really didn't trust people. I yeah. just became very self-sufficient. And so um, ultra independence, you know, right? Like ultra exactly. independence. I just felt like, that. well, yeah. you know, if your mama and daddy that made you kind of aren't there for you, you can't put anything past anybody. Yeah. I mean, so it was this weird um, irony because I'm a generally optimistic person. I'm mm -hmm. a pretty happy-go-lucky person, but at the same time, I I would just never be surprised by anything that anyone would do because I yeah. just didn't expect a lot from people. Mm. And so um, my ex was just this ultra um, charismatic, romantic guy, you know, really, really swept me off my feet. And, um, you know, I just felt like, okay, well, he's choosing me in my mind, again, in my black and white kind of rule oriented mm -hmm. yep. mind, it was yeah. like, okay, well, he's choosing me, he's pursuing me, you know, um, yeah. whatever. And so again, through our marriage, um, different things began to unfold for him. And, you know, we, we struggled along with him coming to terms with some of his own childhood wounds, but at the same time, there were just these unhealthy patterns around boundaries, mm -hmm. inappropriate relationships. Um, and in my kind of just, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to soldier on, you know, I read all the books of praying wife. And if I can more. just be good enough, if I can just do yes. all the right things, then yes. everything will yes. be better because it's I'm all up to me because I'm yes. the one who has control over this. Exactly. And I just, I wore myself out. I, I literally at a point, I thought I was going to lose my mind um, trying to keep my marriage together because um, he just wasn't ready. And so I liken it to um, like, like uh, someone that commits murder via a DUI, you know, mm. they have a problem with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. It is an addiction. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe they're chemically, you know, yeah. wired to this, but there has to be consequences because mm -hmm. they took a life. Mm -hmm. And so at a point, you know, I had to, again, get still with God and let go of all the counselors and the people that meant well, they meant well, you know, well, he's sorry. And he's got this. And I just had to 
come to that moment where the Holy Spirit just said, you know, release, like you've mm-hmm. got to release, release this control. Mm-hmm. Release. You can't control him. You cannot yep. pray against his will. It's not, his healing is not on you. You're not bad. Cause it took me back to that little girl that was just, am I bad? Is it my fault? Yeah. You know, what can I do? It's all on me to fix this. Yeah. And I, I just released it all, but it was the catalyst for me to finally get at the root. I thought I had dealt with all of my mommy and daddy stuff. Yeah. You know, I thought I had dealt with it and I had to go back to that little girl and realize that she was still trying to be good enough, you know, trying to be whatever enough, you know, mm-hmm. thin enough, dress right enough, <laughs> again, yep. pray yep. enough, get the kids yep. together enough. And I hit yeah. that point of like, girl, you are enough. Like if you don't achieve another thing, if you gain 49 pounds, like you are enough mm-hmm. in all of your God-given self right here yes. today. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, you know, every, the stories can be different from person to person, but these, mm-hmm. and one of our, my past guests, uh, Christina Ammerman talked about core wounds and, you know, kind of, it comes down to like love and unworthiness. Those are kind of the two she talks about. And it's like, mm-hmm. dang, she's right. Like it always seems to come down to these things and it, and these patterns keep playing out. And you said with your ex-husband that his healing was not dependent on me. And how often do we put that pressure on ourselves when it was never ours to bear, you know, for other people and, um, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember, you know, again, um, as a believer, it's like, keep this family together, you know, Mm -hmm. keep this family together. And one of the turning points was, um, and my kids, you don't mind me sharing this. We were just doing our back to school physicals and such. And, um, you know, my younger daughter, they, they went through this whole mental health assessment and I'm just thinking, you know, cause I, you know, we thought we were hiding everything. And I thought I, I, I tell people, I was like Edith Bunker around my house, you know, cause my yeah. husband, he would, it would just be ups and downs. And we were just on eggshells in the house all the time. And, you know, there was this one persona outside and, um, you know, just this different persona inside. And honestly, I do not think he was conscious of it, mm-hmm. but my wiring just, just, again, I just took it on to that's on me. So I just would run around and, you know, daddy and keeping them quiet. So anyway, we're at the doctor and she's like, you know, we have to ask these questions. Are you feeling, you know, anxious or depressed? And I'm just thinking we're going to check. No, no, no. And though she actually says yes. And my, my ear perked up. And so the doctor goes on the whole list of like, are you bullied? Is something going on at school? Is it academics? And she said, no, it's, it's my home. Mm-hmm. It's at home. I have so much anxiety at home. And mm-hmm. I, I could have just like collapsed on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talked later and, you know, figured out different ways of responding. And that's where kind of the boundaries came in, where I realized, you know, what I could take control of was when these certain things are playing out, we're going to do some other choices. Like, for example, we're not going to sit through crazy dinners that leave somebody 
breaking down in tears because of some nonsense that we don't even know what's going on in your head. Um, I'm not going to subject us again, just these highs and lows and ups and downs. We're going to put some boundaries around it. And so we just started doing different things. We would leave, we would, you know, just go on a drive, me and the kids. Like, I I just was like, we don't have to stay and take this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the the other thing that I've learned is I kind of did, and I know it's a common thing where I felt like, well, it's not as bad as this, mm-hmm. yep. you know? So I just kind of justified like, you know, well, we have this wonderful house in Gainesville, you know, the mm-hmm. corner lot and, mm-hmm. you know, we go on vacations. Everything and, like, looks he's great. Made, he's yeah. not beating me, you know, like my bar was so low, like he's not hitting me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, and I just couldn't name it. I couldn't put it together to, to feel like I deserved intervention, that I deserved help because I was looking here and there and like, well, you know, I'm the helper. I, I help people. I, mm-hmm. you know, people would look at my life and say, you should be lucky. You know, you should just, mm-hmm. just, push through. Like it's not that bad, but and the people who do, bad. well, and that's why it's like, we need to be cautious of who we listen to because everyone's got their own stuff. So yeah. if they are selling you that it's like, you don't know what kind of stuff they're pushing through what they're pushing, repressing, like, and the eggshells. It's funny when you talked about the eggshells and you talked about your childhood and everything, it's like, that's the norm is walking on eggshells is the norm. And I know for me, I've talked a lot about like, I'm a recovering people pleaser, you know, (laughs) just managing other people's emotions. And for me, it's like moving around so much and like wanting to make friends and realizing that that's not normal to always be need feeling the need to manage other people's emotions, you know, to, Mm -hmm. if I do this, then this, and it's, but once again, I would never have thought, Oh, you know, if, if I'm in situations like that, it's like, well, it's not that bad. It's not X, Y, Z, right. But the amount of anxiety you have, and then your daughter, the other thing I heard is just major, again, like kudos, whatever the term is like, applaud you for listening to your daughter. Because when she said about the anxiety at home, like you could have done a different coping mechanism, which was to dismiss that and tell her it's not that bad. You know, we should be thankful that, da, 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 da. but the fact that you took action and made a new choice. And I feel like that is where those generational curses and Ooh. generational habits get broken because like you made a new choice. You said, I'm going to hear this and I'm going to do something about it versus letting it shut me down. You know, cause I think right. we just all are in our coping mechanisms and just doing what we have to do, like you said, to survive. Mm-hmm. and. And like I said, everyone's story, the details are different, but it's just no matter, you know, we're human. So we're wired to survive. And so just making that new choice, it just, I feel like it it was a small part of the story, but so big, so big. Cause when people tell you how they feel, you know, we should believe them. So absolutely. yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't, Obviously, you know, it wasn't like, okay, we're leaving because of this, but yeah. I didn't want her to ever feel like, oh, you know, oh, the divorce is yeah. my fault. But it was definitely kind of that final trigger of yeah. we need to get healthy. It, it yeah. wasn't about right or wrong. I got out of that toxic, like shame, blame, yeah. 
thing with my husband. It was about like our health. We cannot get healthy together because of whatever name, fill in the blank of 10 different things. And, you know, I I was open to a potential for reconciliation, but I knew that we had to separate and each work on ourselves and not work on this marriage. And I, I told a friend of mine, like, I, I felt like I was going to just like die, like as a sacrifice at the yeah. altar of marriage yeah. and having that epiphany with God, like he, of course, loves marriage. He created the mm-hmm. covenant of marriage, but he values us individually more than any institution. Mm-hmm. And I had to just unlearn some of that church culture. Um, because again, it didn't, it wasn't anything you could put your hand on where someone like that fit into the handful of scriptures of how you, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was always mm-hmm. seen as like, you just need to forgive him. Like you're just walking in unforgiveness. And I'm like, no, it's a pattern. I'm going to die. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like that's a whole other series that we could do. Cause I have a lot of, um, I have a heart for that, you know, because, you know, for me, like personally, I'm a Christian and it's just, I, I feel like the older I get, the more sensitive I am to can't even think what there's a term right now. I guess spiritual abuse is kind of a term that's being thrown around. I don't know if that's the appropriate to use right now, but it's just when, when the word of God and all this stuff and God's will is just manipulated you know, it's seemingly for good, but not. And like I said, this is like a whole other bigger topic, but just, and I feel like with marriage and being in unhealthy marriages is just, that's like a tender spot, you know, for me, cause I've, you know, seen people walk through it and just, um, just want to be mindful of it. And then for my own marriage too, you know, for us to Mm -hmm. just walk in the light with all our stuff too, and not have to feel like it has to be this perfect. Cause that's something I struggle with is like wanting, like you said, I think it's like, Oh, everything's great. Our world is great, but we all've got stuff and it's got to get worked out. And if it doesn't, I feel like that's that dying inside. We're all just mm-hmm. dying. Well, I, what I say, you know, what I've come to some conclusion with the church piece of it is really gaining an understanding within those institutions of when you need to release people and advise them to go into psychological counseling, like Mm -hmm. knowing when it's beyond a pastoral counseling. And that's not saying that you're not hearing from God and you don't, you know, have this spiritual authority, but you're, you're not a psychologist and you, you don't have, if you don't have like a really deep knowledge and um, expertise in marital counseling. And again, in our case, very, very complex uh, psychological things that were mental health things going on. It doesn't take anything off of you. You're just, that's not your job. Like you're not equipped and it's okay. (laughs) And God created that. Like he created the study of the brain and the mental health. Like, I mean, that's just my own personal thing. So I'm grateful. My pastor, he actually just did a series with someone who was a pastor and he's now a therapist and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And just, that was the whole conversation around mental and spiritual health and how they coexist. It's not one or the other. And I was just like, you know, it was a zoom thing, but I'm at home, like applauding, like, thank you. Thank you. Because you know, it's this whole idea that if you're going through a struggle, you just need to believe 
you just need to have faith, right. you know, and it's like, when it comes to this growth and healing our childhoods, you know, whether it's all this stuff, like, no, this is God has equipped us. I mean, that's why I feel like we are called to be in community. That's why I want to yes. share it's because we're not meant to do it alone. And I think right. that that's where that shame lives is in the dark. And when we hide, it's almost, um, the stuff we feel like we need to hide. It's like, it always mm-hmm. is the stuff that needs to be shared. Maybe not publicly, you know, you got, right, right. Just, it is always <laughs> the stuff like it's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, you know, and I, I'll just speak from my own experience um, as a single in church, you know, it was a lot of women's Bible studies or, you know, singles groups about preparing for marriage. And I don't want to say that none of that was, you know, it was a lot, was a lot of good information, yeah. but I think wholeness needs to be a part of the conversation and really, um, in investigating those, those things, everything just can't be prayed over or, you know, again, in in my early tradition, I just thought I could, you know, pray hard enough, go to enough Bible studies and just, I'm going to just leave it at the altar. Well, yeah, Yeah. but I need to deal with this stuff. I need to leave it at the altar and go to therapy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You do both. Yes. Yes. So I don't think there's, I think we're getting there. I I would say, um, we're getting there. Um, yeah. I, I listened to a good podcast with Lisa Turkhurst. It was a therapy and theology, um, and it was it was excellent. I love that that series. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Her. Um, you know the road that she's walked and her openness oh. with it. I just feel like she's helping so many people so because many people. it's just lifting so many veils of shame. But just and you know, and it's whether you are you know a Christian or not. Like there is just this, we all want to put our best foot forward. You know, I talk a lot about like social media. Mm-hmm. We all say we want real, but if you look at who has all the followers on Instagram, it's all the polished and the photoshopped and the edited. It's like, <laughs> so, you know, we're all kind of walking hypocrites. Like we want real, yeah. but not too real. You know, like I want to hear your story, but if it starts to get uncomfortable, <laughs> then I, maybe not. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's just like, and she calls that out. You know, I've been listening to, I've, I've read a couple of her books recently and it's like, she talks about her childhood, her husband's mm-hmm. childhood. It's like yeah. stuff I'm like clapping as I read it, you know, I'm listening to it. I'm like, thank you. Yes. Thank you for bringing this into this world, you know, because it's so huge. And that actually reminds me of something you and I have also talked about is how nothing's wasted, you know, right. like, cause I, I'm still struggling. Like I'm working on it. I'm trying really hard. Um, <laughs> I have a freaking podcast about failure <laughs> and how it's all good and it moves us forward. But like, I still struggle with like, and this is something God is like working out, you know, um, mm-hmm. just that, oh man, I know this is for good, but I just didn't want it to happen. I didn't want this hardship or this right. and just getting to a place where it's all part of the story. And so how have you kind of walked through that so that you can not be on the eggshells and say, you know, nothing is wasted. Well, I will say a couple of things. I, I, I had to get to a point of, again, my, you know, all, all these fancy terms now, like toxic positivity, because I am a very positive person and I probably did have rose colored glasses on quite a bit and just wanting and believing and hoping for this great redemption story of like, we made it through the fire, you know? And so part of that, right, was me feeling like, okay, well, you know, 
God allowed it. So I just need to embrace it. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and parsing out the degrees. So um, I don't think God intended for any of us to be abused. I don't think that's his plan, but I believe when we are broken open and um, really walk through a healing process, that it can be used for his glory, that it can draw people in, that, you know, we're in a fallen world and there's a lot of pain and a lot of um, just terrible things that happen. And so, when, when we do have these redemption stories, that I can have a redemption story in Christ that may not look like what I thought the end result was going to be, that I can trust him. And part of, of that is finding joy on the journey, that when I'm out of the struggle and strife and, and, and so long, I just felt like, you know, again, all these things out of context, like, well, this is just my thorn and this is just what I have to go through. But believing that with God, there is also ease and joy and and fulfillment. That's where I say nothing is wasted. And again, for me, it was finding that balance of, you know, I don't need to, you know, be happy that I was abused or neglected, but I can know without a shadow of a doubt that that is not um, what God intended for me. And as I draw closer to him and allow him into all of those broken places, um, I I can become beautiful. And I think, you know, I love what you're doing. And for me, I had someone recently, I think inbox me like on LinkedIn, like, wow, I can't believe, you know, what prompted you to share so openly. And I, I think it's important because a lot of times people, you know, for my case, they see this marriage, this person that just looks like they've achieved and done all these things and military veteran, da, da, da. Um, and then it's like, oh, something bad happens and people just go dark and then you just come out on the other side. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it's in that in between, in that going through it, um, that again, helps people to feel less alone. It helps other people to connect and recognize, you know, again, as a believer that if God did it for Danielle, for Samantha, that he can do it for me. And whatever little part of it that they resonate with, it it just helps to connect. And so, you know, when you're healing and for me, You know, I had to work through the embarrassment and realize, you know, go down that trail of what's that about, um, but also sharing in a way that is is not, um, you know, gunning for my ex or just Mm -hmm. uncovering in some unsavory manner, you know, but I think it's important to be honest and transparent because I know how isolated I felt. I know that I just felt like no one in the world could understand what I was dealing with. Um, and it's very scary to be in that place. And so I, however, God <laughs> brings um, things through my story. I, I count it as a privilege. And I think that, um, you know, a- until Jesus returns, we are the hands and feet on the earth. And mm-hmm. that if we all just kind of show that 
highlight reel <laughs> on yeah. social media, um, it's not doing anybody any good. <laughs> it's so funny you said the hands and feet. So I was talking to my pastor because just 2020 was a year. It was yeah. a year for us. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer, you know, like you, you said it so beautifully, you know, God doesn't want like abuse and harm for us. But I truly believe though, that like he can use things for good, you know, the things that were meant to harm or harm, you know, it did harm us, but we can mm -hmm. move forward from that. And, uh, but I was talking to someone and I said, you know, dang it. It's like when you pray for patience, the way you get the patience, you know, you have to go through stuff. And I said, yeah, I mean, I used to be like, Lord, let me be, let me be the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, just like <laughs> through that prayer around. And then when life really hits the fan and it gets like really, really hard really hard. <laughs> I was like, wait, shoot. I've prayed to be handsome. I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to like serve people. That's what right. I meant by be the hands and feet of Jesus. I didn't mean like I had to die to myself, like really just exactly. deal with all that inner stuff and do hard stuff. Like it just, yeah, it's, um, it's a lot, but, but that's the thing I said, we called, he calls us to be in community and to, you know, live in the light. Cause it's just, we're so, it's so hard. People are just walking around. It's so hard. And it, it is a fine line. Like you said, of not wanting to share too much. I think that's why if we feel called to share stuff, yeah. Um, cause th there's other people that I feel like will judge you or will say, you know, you shouldn't share that. And yeah, why would you do that? But it's like, well, cause if no one did, how would we know? So right. Right. There's a, a lyric in a Lauren Daigle song. It says, um, he gave me a, a story of revival. So I put it on vinyl mm. and I heard that early in 2020. And I was like, dang, yes. man, that just like stuck out. And obviously cause doing a podcast, but just when I think, you know, whether you're a believer or not, when you just go through hard times and you can come out the other side, it's just important to share it, but important to share. Like you said, I love how you said the in-between stuff. Because mm -hmm. it's like when you do, if there's the weight loss stuff before and after, like, right. and also that's not even what it's important because it's all this head stuff and heart stuff. That's what I'm right. finally figuring out. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter what weight I am, whether I'm at my heaviest or my thinnest, like still messed up up here when it comes to my weight, you know, I still have body issues. Exactly. So that's the stuff we need to go through. It's not just the before and after, or, you know, Oh, I had a hard time. And now here I am. It's, it's the hard stuff. So as we wrap it up, I would love, you know, I talk so much about growth and healing and therapy and counseling and working <laughs> through our stuff. And you said it too. Um, so I guess my final thing is if someone knows in their heart, cause let's just say it right. Cause like, I know with my life, as things have kind of unfolded in my life, I'm like, oh, that's what that was. That intuition I had, there was a gut mm -hmm. feeling that something was off, but I didn't want, I just, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to tuck that over here. Cause yeah. if I just do everything right, then everything will turn out fine. Yes. And when, you know, life hits the fan, I know for at least me personally, it was like, that's what that was. That was intuition. And, and if you're a believer, I think also that's that Holy Spirit that right. was talking. <laughs> and so um, hearing your story and then, you know, I know there, like you said, there's so many people out there who feel alone and struggling. So if they, if, you know, if your story brings up those feelings and it's like, that might be that intuition, that mm -hmm. might be that intuition telling you something's not right. You know, whether it's marriage, whether it's just yourself, 
just something needs to be revisited, maybe something hard, you know, painful from your past. Could you share some insight on kind of taking that step to go down that road that can feel dark and scary, but more? Sure. I, I, I think for me, I had to begin to trust myself. Um, And so, again, bringing it back to kind of my childhood and connecting the dots for me in all of that chaos, I I tell people like my my danger meters were off because it's just again, was not that bad. You know, like we would always say in our childhood, well, at least we always had a roof over our heads, you know, and I have my therapist like, well, that's kind of like the bare minimum of what parents (laughs) should be providing. But we hung our hat on that. Like we were never homeless, you know? And so I think my, my, my danger meters were off. And so as I begun to hear this little voice or just, little tinge of something, I began to trust myself and um, recognize that, you know, I I needed to pull on that string a little bit. And again, whether you're a believer or not, I just didn't take any coincidences as just a coincidence. So if I started hearing a certain thing in certain songs or just happening to catch this certain um, YouTube. I mean, I remember just just random way I, I found um, this book called The Emotionally Destructive Marriage. And it, it was like life-changing for me. And I don't even know how I got to it, but I stopped dismissing all those little things as just like, oh, oh, that's random or how did that happen? But I had I started taking stock of like, well, no, I've heard this kind of theme. Oh, like I'd never heard of Lisa Turkhurst. I'm not, I, I didn't even never heard of Proverbs 31 ministries, you know, that she was this big deal. I just happened to find that podcast mm-hmm. about therapy and theology. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And then I just started Googling everything about her. So again, all that to say, follow those breadcrumbs, follow those nudgings. Don't take anything by chance, if you have an inkling, like at a base, deep level, I knew there was something gravely wrong and it didn't matter what I tried to throw at it. I I couldn't get past it. But as I began to follow those little breadcrumbs into knowledge and understanding and just to find language to what I was dealing with, it was life-changing for me. So just don't ignore the, 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 the signs. <laughs> oh, thank you. You, man, you hit it on the head with finding the language. Yeah. My own life. Um, my husband, you know, he's been open about his journey in therapy and that's something we've talked so much about. I remember early on when he started and he, there was finally words to describe his feelings. And I like, I just remember the excitement seeing it. And it's like, I didn't get it at the time, you know, mm-hmm. cause it was like, okay. You know, but now it's like, oh my gosh, when you have felt or not felt or something for so long and then to find, it's like so validating. Cause you, it goes back to that. You feel so alone and like, you're the only one. And then when you find out that there's language around it, which actually means that you're not alone, that this is a real thing. Right. There's such freedom found in that. So, yeah, because I'll say, I just shared in a blog post um, 
when I remember, you know, my, my main emotion was, I would just go to anger. I mean, just, I would, you know, whatever was happening, I would be so angry. And I, I just thought anger, like I'm just mad, you know? And I remember I was in like a leadership development course and got introduced to the emotion wheel, right? You could just Google that and find, mm-hmm. and, you know, we kind of went through this exercise about, you know, like all the like 16 other sub feelings <laughs> that are yeah. under anger and looking up those words um, and being able to truly define what is underneath this anger. And then kind of, you mentioned earlier, being able to verbalize my boundaries. And so, you know, I'll own my part of just not being able to fully express, you know, yeah, knowing there's certain things I you shouldn't do that, that's hurting me. But I didn't really know how to express kind of what I need, how this is really affecting me, and then setting the boundary that would lead to a consequence. We would just have kind of these up and down. Yeah. He did X, I would get angry, he's sorry. Yep. Okay, just please don't do that again because mm-hmm. it makes me angry. But we mm-hmm. never got to like, no, what's gonna happen? <laughs> And it wasn't just anger, you know, there was a lot of things under there, violations, you know, I felt disrespected, um, you know, all these other things. And so that was huge. Again, that language of going from that big old hairy, just angry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, that makes it about you. It makes it, I have an anger issue. Right, right. And I need to work on my anger and I need to work on just deep breathing. It's like, it has nothing to do with that. There's there's layers <laughs> below that. So yes, yes. that's a huge thing. It's funny. I didn't, I haven't, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Um, but I was, cause like with raising kids, that's something like I must've read something when they were little, but trying when they were young to like, you know, work through the feelings. And so there's been times where I've asked my daughter something like, you know, Oh, are you angry? And she's been like, no, I'm this. And she'll tell me a different emotion. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it even catches me by surprise. Sometimes I'm like, Wow. I don't know. I, just, I don't know why it surprises me, but it's like, yeah, we aren't just happy or sad. You know, that's like happy, sad. That's angry. literally what I wrote in there. Cause I think we grew up with that. I know yeah. at least I did. as a kid, it's like happy or sad, even at the doctor's office, like you're pointing at the frowny face or the happy face about how bad you feel, you know? And it's like, yeah. no, there's a lot more nuance. There. He did. And it's funny because you talked about seeing the same message over and over again. And I don't know why, like it's on my mind, but it's that whole idea of the walking on eggshells. That's where I feel like we play the comparison game of whatever, you know, we just meaning people, we play that game of it's not this. And so we ignore the intuition, Mm -hmm. but it's like the universal thing is I feel like the eggshells, like as I get older, I'm realizing like, I thought eggshells were a normal part of life. I thought that's just what happens when you are good at reading people And, but I'm learning now, like, oh, that, I think that has a lot to do with my childhood and how I'm managing emotions. And did you know that there's life beyond eggshells? Like, did you know, like, this is me talking to myself, like, did you know that you can work on your stuff so that you can live your life, not always worried about the eggshells? Right. That's a new concept to me. So same. And I think for me, you know, another thing I had to realize is that because it showed up differently, you know, again, I had to get out of my black and white kind of if then, like for me, it was um, 
you know, growing up in just this chaos, domestic violence, fighting, unsafe, you know, unhealthy. Well, here we were, you know, Christians and we go to church, we work in church and, you know, we, we work hard. We, we had this stability and I was holding on to just this certain stability of, of our home, our marriage, our life. But at the at the bottom line, it was the same chaos. It just showed up differently. And it just took so long for me to recognize, like you said, the eggshells, because that's that was the universal thing. That's how I felt in my childhood. We were just always kind of like bracing for the next shoe to fall and just trying to, you know, keep keep ourselves as low and, and minimize as possible. And it was the same thing, you know, at home. But again, I masqueraded as, you know, well, dad is just tired and well, we were loud or we just need to, but it was the same thing. The eggshells. That's so true. It's, it's just, it's, it's a basic flag that no one should be walking and living in a place where they have to walk on eggshells at home, at work or any relationship. It's just, it's so unhealthy. (laughs) So unhealthy. It is. It is, but it feels so normal. That's just what's so hard about all this. But Danielle, I appreciate you sharing your story and, um, and your journey to growth and healing, which as you know, and it's ongoing, ongoing. I thought this whole thing, it's like, you just figure it out and you're done. You just wrap it up in a bow and we're done, but it is an ongoing thing. And which is why I love you said, we have to find the joy in the journey because spoiler alert, we are not done. Our story is not over, (laughs) you know, this whole growth and healing thing, this is forever. And so I just appreciate you sharing this chapter right now, because I think, you know, I'm so grateful you're using your voice in your blog and, and taking up more space, you know, in the world. (laughs) with your voice, because I know that you have so much goodness to share and I appreciate you, you sharing today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really have enjoyed this and getting to know you. And I, again, I I love your podcast. I wish you much success with it. Um, And just hope you reach as many people as possible. Thank you. And it's really people like you and you specifically for sharing. And so If people want to get in touch with you and find your blog and find you online, how can they do that? Well, thanks for asking. So I am on Instagram as I am Danny underscore 1913. I'm currently blogging on the Medium platform. Just search for Danielle Ellis or Refreshing Words. Um, Funny story. I, I have my own website, but I like totally destroyed my blog on uh, WordPress because I just don't know how to use WordPress. So, so one day that will be an actual <laughs> refreshingwords.com. But so for now I'm blogging on Medium um, and I, I absolutely love it. So I would love people to follow me there. And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. For all things flushing, visit our website at flushingitout.com. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.